is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Okay, I have got an impossible task this morning, which uh, some would say is not unusual. Um, but I've got Luke chapter 10. So if you'd like to turn to it in your Bibles, please, and have it in front of you. There really is far too much to cover in this chapter, and um, I'm not going to even attempt to cover it all, because I really can't do it all justice. But what I want to look at this morning are uh, pulling out a few things from Luke chapter 10, some of the key uh, passages in there, some of the key messages that I feel God has got for us. And so we're not going to read it all through. We're going to read different points as we go through uh, this time together and to look at a few things together and see what God has for us. So we may miss, we will miss some of it out, but we need to do that if you guys want to get home any time before tea time. Is that okay? So let's pray and ask God to help us. Lord Jesus, we want to come to you this morning and say, would you be our teacher, please? Holy Spirit, as we open up Scripture, we say, come and be our teacher. Give us ears to hear what is on your heart for us this morning. God, I pray you'd help me now to communicate well. I pray, Lord Jesus, uh, that we would all hear from you now. Help us not just to understand what we read, but Holy Spirit, please... Apply it to our lives. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so Luke chapter 10 then starts with Jesus sending out the 72. In fact, it's even headed like that in my Bible. It may be in yours too. So Luke chapter 10 starts with, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to go to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest fields. So at this point, Jesus is now multiplying his ministry. You'll recall that he has already sent out the twelve. The twelve disciples have already gone and been on their first ministry expedition on their own. And now he's sending out another 72. And uh, they're to do what he's been doing largely, to heal the sick, to talk about the kingdom of God. It's the same sort of thing that he sent to the twelve when he sent them out. You know, largely, do what I've been doing. You know, heal the sick, preach the kingdom of God, cast out demons. And now he's saying the same to another 72 people. And it's important for us to realise a few things here. But isn't it good that Jesus didn't keep all the ministry to himself? He didn't, he didn't say, look, it's only me that can do this. But rather, he empowered the twelve and sent them out. He gave them authority to do that. And now he's doing the same with another 72. That makes 84 so far, if my maths is correct. And yet again, he's giving them authority to go and to say the same sort of things. To preach the kingdom of God, to, to heal the sick, to cast out demons... And uh, Jesus gives them specific instructions here. Do you notice that firstly he sends them out in twos? After this the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him. 
He sends them out in twos. You know, when we think of going out, when we think of uh, reaching people with the good news of Jesus, when we think of maybe reaching our own friends and telling them what a wonderful experience we've had of God and how he's transformed our lives and changed us and forgiven our sin and filled us with the Holy Spirit and sent us on mission with him, when we think about those sort of things, often we think about it in the singular. Often we think about me reaching my friends. You might think about you speaking to the people that you work with in your office or your neighbours. But what Jesus does here, he sends them out in twos. And actually, the Bible is always talking about team. Mark 6 verse 7 tells us that the 12 were sent out in twos. Here the 72 are sent out in twos. Paul is constantly talking about his ministry companions, even in one case holding back from advancing into a particular area in order to wait for some of the teams to arrive. Constantly the Bible is talking about team. Even God himself is in team, isn't he? Team Trinity, if you like. God the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Constantly throughout Scripture we have this modelled to us. What should we learn from that? What should we learn from it? Well, you see, when we think about reaching our friends individually, what would be better is if we thought about it as a team activity. Not just about me talking to my friends, but rather us reaching the people that God has put around us. So Jesus told Simon Peter, who was a fisherman, that in following him, he would now catch men rather than catch fish. Now, in the West, we often think of fishing as a lone activity, don't we? We think of man with rod and uh, big boots sitting on the side of a riverbank, sort of like this, most of the day. And then on a good day, occasionally there'll be a bite and, you know, there'll be the wrestling with the rod and out will come an old Wellington boots and then eventually a bit later they may get a fish. But we think of fishing very often as an individual activity, a sort of a thing you do on your own to get some space on your own. But in the Bible, fishing was a team activity. They went out in groups, they fished together. And so when Jesus talks to the disciples about fishing not just for fish but for men, their concept is not something they do on their own, but rather their framework for what they're thinking is it's something they do together. And I want to suggest this morning that in reaching people for Jesus, maybe we should think in those terms as well. It should be something we do together. We should work much harder at reaching people together. It's not just you on your own. There are others around you who can help you, who can support you, who can encourage you. You can introduce some of your friends who don't know Jesus yet to some of your friends that do. Sarah and I love holding parties. And some of the best parties we've had are where there's been a mix of our Christian friends and some of our friends who don't know Jesus yet. And you sort of throw them all in a room, put some music on, get some drinks and nibbles out, and sort of stand back and watch. Because the natural question, it's like when you're at a wedding, isn't it? The, the question you ask when you sit down to somebody at a wedding is, so how do you know so-and-so? 
And we've watched as some of our friends have said to one another, so how do you know Graham and Sarah? What's your point of connection? And we've watched as some of our uh, friends from church have said, oh yeah, yeah, we're in the same church. Uh, others of, uh, of our friends have said, oh yeah, our kids go to the same school. Whatever it might be. And we've noticed that over time, friendships begin to happen not just between us and our friends, or me and my friends, or Sarah and hers, but rather between our friends as well. And we've found that actually, it's much more fun, much more biblical even, (laughs) to be doing these things as a team, together, rather than thinking, oh, it's all on my head. What do I need to do? What, what's, how am I going to make this happen? No, no, no. It's what are we doing together? That's one of the, beauty, uh, one of, the beauties of uh, doing outreach things together as a small group. It's something you can do as a life group. So you can, you can throw a party as a life group. You could have a barbecue. You could go bowling. You could do a pub quiz night, whatever it might be. Not just as a life group social, but as a way of bringing in some of your friends who don't know Jesus yet and mixing them with some who do. Maybe you could do some of those things. Maybe you could not be a lone fisherman or fisherwoman, but maybe you could be a biblical fisher. Get in team. Have fun together. So maybe as a small group, you might want to talk about those sort of things. What are you doing as a life group to reach the people that God has put around you? Because you know what? There are a whole bunch of people that he has put around you that don't know Jesus yet. And you are a carrier of hope. You are a carrier of the good news of the gospel. And you have got in your heart the message that your friends need to hear. But it doesn't just have to be on your shoulders. You can do it with others as the disciples were sent out in twos and so were the 72. Does that make sense? Okay, so let's, let's keep going, otherwise I'm going to stay on that point all our time and not, miss, not get to anything else. The second thing in these two verses at the beginning of Luke chapter 10 is that Jesus says the harvest is plentiful. Do you notice that? If you've got your Bible open, Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. If you, if you serve in any area of church life, you might say, yeah, yeah the workers are few, don't I know it? <laughs> And thank you for serving, if that, that is you. But listen, I think often we pray for the harvest. So we pray for Alpha. We pray for the guest service. We pray for an outreach event we're doing. Now, I don't think that's bad. Okay, that's not the wrong thing to do. But what Jesus says here is the harvest is plentiful. Actually, it's the workers that you need to pray for. It's the workers that you need to pray for. So we should be praying for God to add to us workers. I don't think it's changed. Now, in 2,000 years, I don't think that Jesus said then the harvest is plentiful, but now it doesn't apply. Okay? I don't think you can take that and say, well, that was fine for him then. It's not the case anymore. Nonsense. The harvest is plentiful now. There are people who want to respond to Jesus if they heard the good news of the gospel now. What we need to be doing is praying, asking God, God, would you add workers to us? Please, would you add people who can help us on this great mission you have given us to this city that we love and the areas around us? You know, when we were a small church plant, listen, we started with five of us in our front room, 
or my front room as it was then, we weren't even together at that point. We started with five of us. And we knew at that moment, boy, did we need to pray for people. We really needed to pray for people because it was just five of us. It was me, Sarah, Matt, Louise, our friend Neil, who's uh, since moved on. And we just, we just sat around thinking, man, do we need to pray for people because it's just us. Pete joined us very shortly after that and others of you uh, joined us over a period of time but we knew it was just us. You know, we could fill every seat in my front room. That was a good week. It was just us. Boy, did we need to pray for the harvest. We need to pray for workers for this harvest field that God was giving us. Over time, I think it's easy for us to lose that because we look around and we see a few more people. We think, oh, there's a bunch of people around now. There might be a few away today, but you know, there's a bunch of people around that God's added, and that's great. But we can forget that we still need to pray for workers. And it's not praying for workers just so that things can run smoother. Now, I know it would be great to have more people on every serving team. I, I really understand that. I know that. We'd love more workers on our kids' teams and our youth team, on the welcome team on the tech team and lots of other teams that uh, help church life run. But it's not just about that. It's not just more workers for those teams. Friends, it's more workers who can help us reach people with the good news of Jesus. It's more workers that can help us have a greater impact on this city. It's more workers that can help us in time see a church planted in Burson on Trent. It's more workers that can begin to impact the areas around Derby that God is starting to lay on our hearts. It's more workers that can reach people for Jesus. Do you want to see that? Do you want to see that? What does Jesus tell us to do? He tells us to pray. He tells us to pray. And ask. Ask him. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Do you notice it's his harvest field? Do you notice that? He's the one taking responsibility. If a farmer owns a field, he takes responsibility for it. Jesus says that it's it's his harvest field. He's the one taking responsibility. Do you know what? The Holy Spirit is the one that's gone ahead of us anyway. People can only respond to Jesus if, if God's done something in their heart to start with. So the Bible tells us. So the Holy Spirit is already active. He's already out there. He's already drawing people to himself. The wonderful story Tim told earlier of the fun they had treasure hunting yesterday. Listen, we're going to do some of this as a church. But I've been on it as well. It's great fun. I've never known evangelism to be so much fun. But when you pray, say, God, put something on my heart and I give you a few clues and then you head out and you you see somebody that matches all the clues. You think, oh boy, God's in this. There's a surprise. Yeah. You sort of go up to somebody and say, listen, this might sound balmy, but hey, you know what? I'm on a treasure hunt and these are my clues. And you show them the clues. You show them a bit of paper and, they, and, and you say, do any of these things match you? Oh yeah, I've got this, this dress on. I've got those boots. Or, oh yeah, I've got a bit of a dodgy ankle. or dizzy. Oh yeah. I said, well, oh, you know what? I think God's got a message for you. That he loves you and that you're special to him. And he wants a relationship with you. And he's done everything possible to make it happen. Isn't that good? But you know what? I've lost my train of thought completely there because I was getting so excited about that. (laughs) But we want to see God add people 
to us to do more of that and to reach more people with the good news of the gospel. Because it's his highest life. That's, that's where I was. It's his harvest. So that story that Tim told earlier illustrates that the Holy Spirit is at work ahead of time. He's out there. He knows what he's doing. But he needs more of us to jump on board and catch him up. Do you see that? So for that girl who had those clues and chatted to this, uh, this girl by the fountain, the Holy Spirit was at work already. Because you know what? It's Jesus' harvest. It's his harvest field. So we need to be praying and asking, Lord, send workers. Add workers to us. I want to call us as a church to be saying, God, add people to us, please. Just so we can have a big church? No. So we can be effective and reaching more people with the gospel. Reaching more people with the good news of Jesus. Do you want to see that? I want to see more people saved. That's why we started Jubilee, that we might see more people saved and added into the kingdom of God. And we started for that reason, and you know what? It hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. We want to see more people saved and added into the kingdom of God. So we need to be praying and saying, God, add people to us to help us do that. Will you pray that prayer? Will you pray that prayer with me? And do you know what? As well as praying the prayer, we're part of the answer. Because as well as praying the prayer and asking God for more people, asking him to add people to us, asking him to resource us and help us in the mission that he has given us, you and I are part of the answer as well. Because he doesn't call us just to sit back and watch others go, but rather he calls all of us to go. It might not be to another nation, it might not be to another town, but it is most certainly to the people a couple of doors down in your street. Most certainly to the people that he's put around you at work or in the places you like to hang out. Jesus makes it clear it's not always going to be easy. He says, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. So we shouldn't expect an easy ride. People may not always receive your message well. But that's not an excuse not to go. Because Jesus commands us to go very, very clearly. So who should we be going to? Who should we be going to? Well, it's clear from Scripture that Jesus sends us to all nations. Nowhere's off limits. There's not a particular patch that God has said, well, you can go here, but you shall go no further. No, it's, it's clear from Scripture. Matthew 28, verse 18, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Not just some, not just a few, not just the ones that happen to speak the same language as you, but all of them. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Acts 1 verse 8, Jesus says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So for us, that can translate as, You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Derby, in Derbyshire, 
in Nottingham. <laughs> and to the ends of the earth. You know, Jesus is saying, listen, it's where you live. It's your area. It's even the people you don't get on with. Now, I love people from Nottingham, okay? That was a joke. All right, in case you're listening online, I've got friends in Nottingham. I love the city. I love the people. I'm just illustrating something just to make it clear. Okay? But Jesus calls us to go to the people you're close to, just around you, the people a bit further afield, to even your enemies or those you don't get on with, and to the very ends of the earth. You see, the good news wasn't just for the Jewish people. There's always been the ends of the earth part of the message right throughout Scripture. Abraham was told that all peoples on earth will be blessed by him, through him. Over time, the Israelites would often think that God's favour was on them and them alone. And whilst it's true God's favour was on them, it was for a purpose. And the purpose was to bless the nations. Not just that they could feel good and say, you know what, God loves us and doesn't love you. No, no, no. It was, God loves us and let me tell you about it. That was, the, that was the purpose of them receiving God's blessing and anointing in order that they might demonstrate to the nations around them what it was like to live under God's blessing and covering and leading. Do you know what? It hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. That's what Jesus said in Acts 1. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses. You notice how the two things are linked there? Power from the Holy Spirit and witnessing. Sometimes we can fall into the same trap that the Jewish people used to fall into. They used to think, yeah, yeah, we're special, God loves us. And it sort of stopped there. When we talk about receiving the Spirit, we can think, oh, it's just so I can feel close to God. And just so I get a sense of Him with me. Well, there is that. And God does want you to feel his presence and God does want him, you to know that he is with you and, and helping you and empowering you. But you know what? It's for a purpose. It's not just that so you can say, oh, I can feel God. Isn't that good? No, it's like, uh, I know God's with me. He has empowered me and filled me. Why? In order that then you might be a witness. You see the connection there? You can answer the question if you like. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ray. Glad you're in. <laughs> The two things are linked. Receiving his spirit and then going out and being a witness for him. If we don't receive the spirit first, it can be pretty hard work. Any of you who have been a Christian any length of time and done any outreach of any sort will know that sometimes it's tough. And you'll know if ever you try to do it in your own strength and not first receive the spirit, then it's really hard going. But actually what the Bible tells us, what Jesus is saying here is, first receive the Spirit, be empowered by Him, be filled by Him, and then go. And then go. And that's what He would say to us this morning as well. You see, God has called us to be a blessing to others. To other people, to other places, and to other nations. So, Love Derby, um, the Amplifier Day yesterday, was a great example of us being a blessing to the city. That's what a Love Derby project does. It's an opportunity for us to bless people and love them in Jesus' name and be a blessing. Part of our vision as a church is to serve the city. What does it mean? It means to love people 
and to bless them in Jesus' name. And so the Amplified Day yesterday was a great example of us doing that. The passage we haven't read in Luke chapter 10 about the Good Samaritan in Jesus' parable, well, here's a blessing to somebody never met. God wants us to be a blessing to many. I wonder this morning, are you a blessing to those around you? Let me ask you a question. Are you a blessing to those around you? What is it like to to be around you? (laughs) Are you a blessing to those that God's put you in touch with? I haven't covered half of what I've got here this morning, and I guess I probably wouldn't. But let me finish with a couple of things. Just on this thing of being a blessing to those around you. Turn with me, if you would, to, to verse 21 of Luke chapter 10. It's a verse that's easy to miss in this passage. There's some stories that we know well in Luke chapter 10, like the parable of the, the Good Samaritan. But I think we often miss this verse. When I was preparing this week, I thought God speaks to me from this. Let me share it with you, if I may. Verse 21 says this. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. That's the first bit of the verse there. At this time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, Are you full of joy through the Holy Spirit? Could you, could you identify with that? Do you notice that it's just a th- almost a throwaway remark? Gee, it was noticed about Jesus. Luke was told it and, and wrote it down. Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said this. Are you full of joy? You know what? You're never going to be a blessing to someone or a blessing to those around you you're always miserable. This is true, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, we don't like hanging out with people who are miserable. We'd much rather be with people who are full of joy. Now, I know, please, before you comment on this too quickly, I know there are seasons of life for all of us that are not full of joy. I know that. We have been there, trust me. We know that to be true. Okay? We know that there are times in our lives, Sarah and I have experienced this, where joy is the last thing from our mind. Just because of circumstances, situations, things that life throws at you, or things that happen, there isn't a lot of joy in the house. I know that. I know there are times like that. But Jesus here was full of joy through the Holy Spirit. It wasn't dependent upon circumstances It wasn't even dependent upon which side of bed he got out of that morning or how he happened to be feeling. He was full of joy through the Holy Spirit. Galatians tells us that joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Did I get that right? I think so. 
I, I was reading that passage recently in a more recent NIV translation, and he's changed it slightly. I think, oh gosh, I'm showing my age. I remember it in an earlier translation. <laughs> but you notice joy in there? It's a fruit of the Spirit. Listen, the closer you get to Jesus, the more full of the Spirit you are, the more joy is going to exude through you. And the more joyful you are, I think the better blessing that you can be to others. It's not just about thinking, oh, I must feel happy. Must feel happy. Really got to work on this happiness thing. You know, I know it's all going wrong. I know, you know, just crashed the car, house has fallen down, but, you know, must be happy. No, it's not about that. It's about receiving from the Spirit. It's about drawing on Jesus, saying, Lord, this is you. Whatever circumstance you might be facing, whatever situation, God wants you to know that he's with you. He wants you to be able to experience his joy in it. And you know what? His joy will get you through it. Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit. We're called to know joy. We're called to know God's joy and the joy of the Spirit. I want to urge us this morning to be praying that God might add workers to us. I want to encourage us to be a blessing to those around us. I want us to be an answer to the prayer of workers in terms of going and reaching those who don't know Jesus yet. I want us to be full of joy. I want Jubilee to be full of joy. You know what? I've prayed to preach it again, but some time ago I preached about why we were called Jubilee Church. And I'm probably going to do it again sometime. Maybe in the near future. Just even feeling as I'm talking about it now. I think it would be good to do it again. Because if you look through the Old Testament particularly, times of jubilee were times of celebration. Times of great rejoicing in God because of his goodness and his faithfulness and his generosity to his people. I want jubilee to be a church that's full of joy and full of people that are full of joy in the Holy Spirit and really know their God. Does that sound good? Let's stand. I'm going to pray as we close. Can the band come up, please? <clears throat> Can we sing You Are Good again, please, if we can, in a moment? That would be great. Thank you. Let's pray, shall we? Lord Jesus, as I stand here now, I'm just so aware of what I haven't said this morning. <laughs> I only looked at a couple of verses. <laughs> and there's so much in that passage, Lord. But Father, I just want to submit it to you and say, Lord, we, we, we prayed at the start that you'd lead us and speak to us. And God, we've just sort of hung around those few verses this morning. And so, Father, I just want to trust you that you're in this and that you've spoken to us. And Lord, I want to pray that uh, we would know what it is to, to be in team together, to be sent out by you. We know what it is to, to pray for more workers. And Lord, we do pray that even now, Lord, we want to call on you again and say, God, send workers, please. Would you continue to build your church? Thank you that you promised you were going to do it. And we want to say, Lord, this morning, please keep doing it. Please keep adding to us. Please keep sending workers, Lord, in order that we might be more effective in the mission that you've given us. 
Lord, we want to call on God together, can we? Let's just call on God now in this moment for more workers. Lord, we cry to you. We say, Lord Jesus, please add more workers. Lord, please add people to us that, can, that help us in the great mission that you've given us. Lord, you've put on our hearts to build a church that honours you and loves you and reaches this city and the areas around us and indeed nations, Lord, with your glory and your goodness. And so, Father, we want to pray and call on you this morning. Send workers, Lord, add to us in order that you might be glorified. You might be made famous. Your church might advance and your kingdom might be established. Lord, we cry to you. Lord, for your glory, for your name's sake, please add workers, Lord. Thank you that your harvest is plentiful. Lord, we believe what you've said. Lord, we believe that the harvest is plentiful. And so we say, Lord, please send workers. Please add workers to us. And Lord, we want to cry to you this morning and say, Lord, would we be a blessing to those around us, please? Father, I want to pray that we will be a blessing to others in Jubilee. Father, when we talk of loving you and loving one another, I pray it will be true. Lord, I pray that Jubilee will be a great place to be around. I pray, that, I pray Lord, that we will be a blessing to each other. And Lord God, I want to pray as well that we will be a blessing to those who don't know you yet and to our city and the places that you've called us to. Father, will we be a blessing to those around us, please? And Lord, would we be full of joy in the Holy Spirit? Lord, I want to ask you for that, even now, just in these moments. I pray, Holy Spirit, come. Would we know your joy, please? Lord, not not just a feeling of happiness, not just a thinking, well, I must feel good about it. No, no, I pray, Lord, with no joy of the Holy Spirit. Joy through the Holy Spirit. Joy as a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Please, Lord God, would you come even now? I pray that Jubilee would be a place of joy. It would be a joyous church. I pray it would be a, a church that's fun to be part of because uh, you are filling us with your joy and your blessing. And so, Father, we ask for it, Lord Jesus, in order that you might be made famous and your name might be exalted in the nations. We ask it and all the people said... Amen. Let's worship God. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk and come along on any Sunday morning.